Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank You for Your presence. Lord, we thank You that You're a good God, a good Father. You love Your people. Lord, You have uh, amazing things in store for all of us, Lord. I, I just pray, Lord, that You continue to wash and cleanse our hearts, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, that our vision, our minds, Lord, would be so renewed in the glorious promises that are in Your Word that we would be, we'd begin to see ourselves in a completely different light. We'd begin to see our, our life as so much bigger than just our plans. But Lord, You'd begin to just open our eyes to Your plan and Your will concerning our life in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. How many of you were here over the past several weeks at our family conference that we're remember when John and Kathy and David and Kim and James and Claire were sure wasn't that an amazing time tremendously insightful well today you get me praise God uh, Lord I, I'm 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 the last one on the poll here but I, I, I want to talk to you this morning about having a blessed family how many of you want your family to be blessed God wants your family to be blessed. And He wants to touch all aspects of your family. You know, <clears throat> I was reading some statistics lately. While you're hearing my little story, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 6 for a few minutes. Uh, in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. But uh, I remember hearing some statistics that today, it's amazing, actually more people today, especially in the 20 and 30 year olds, in that group are choosing to live together rather than get married. It just seems to be a choice in our society today. Uh, another thing that I thought was interesting is that when it comes to planning for marriage, 80% of most couples getting married will put more time and effort planning for the wedding day rather than understanding what marriage is all about. Over 80%. They will put more time and effort in the wedding cake and who's coming and all the thrills and bells and chills and incense and nonsense and all that. I mean, they will, they will plan more for that than really understanding what marriage is. Now, I'm not here just talking about marriage. I'm talking about the whole family today. I'm actually going to be speaking about things that have to do with our relationships. Relationships is at the core of our society. In fact, let me just tell you right now, as the family goes, so goes the nation. Whatever core values are in our family right now is how the nation lives itself out. It determines the choices it makes. Whether it's political, whether it's in the area of education, whether it's in the area of just uh, problem resolution, everything comes down to your comprehension and understanding of the family. How many of you know the marriage is being redefined today? We all know that. We all know that things are being changed. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I have a Ford pickup. Anybody out there have a Ford? <laughs> well, I got a Ford pickup. You know one thing, just practical? When my Ford pickup has a problem, I don't take it to a Chevrolet dealer. I don't go to a Volkswagen dealer. I go to Ford. Because Ford is the architect. They're the inventors. They're the one 
who put the thing together. How many of you think it's just a wise idea, a good idea to go back to the architect who designed something? But see, there we are in a spiritual warfare today. How many of you know we're in a spiritual battle? It's not political. It's not economic. That's, that is simply the symptoms of a deeper core problem that's going on. Our nation is going through a spiritual battle. There is a real devil, and this is even amazing. 57% of church-going Americans, church-going, I'm not talking about the ungodly, I'm talking about church-going people, don't even believe there's a devil. They, they don't, they, oh, that, there's no devil. The, the, the devil's a figment. He's, a, he's, you know, he's just kind of a force. A lot of people do not believe in spiritual warfare. They, do, they don't believe that there's any kind of forces that are focused against families to attack you. And I'm here to tell you right now, the Apostle Jesus said it. The Apostle said it. The Apostle Paul said that unless we have the whole armor of God on, you are a sitting duck. And what would the devil want to do? What is the devil's number one uh, objective, especially against a Christian home, a family, a marriage, or just a Christian, a single? What would, what would be his objective? Oh, get, get you to stop coming to church, yeah? Kill, steal, and destroy? How many of you believe he wants to somehow deceive you? He wants to put a wall between you and the Lord. He, Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended. The devil would love for you to get offended so that your true source of power and strength is cut off. The devil wants us to think that, you know, you're, what did he do with Eve in the garden? He convinced Eve in the Garden of Eden through his questions, you don't need God. <laughs> you don't need the Bible. You're smart enough. You know it. You got a degree. You're cute enough. You don't need God. All you need is common sense. Well, how many of you know common sense can send you to hell faster than anything? Especially if it's not based on the Word of God. There are things that God says that doesn't make sense. And if you are an individual who's making plans, I, one thing that I do just in counseling, I, every time someone goes through a problem, an issue, they're making major decisions, one of the first things I'll ask them is, did you fast and pray? Did you guys pray about it? Have you sought the Lord about it? And it's not because I'm trying to put a super spiritual heavy trip on them. I want them to succeed. How many of you believe that when God's involved in something, your life succeeds? I would be so scared. And I've done it before. I've, I've made some blunderous decisions in my life. And every time I trace my steps, it comes back to the fact I didn't pray about it. I didn't work it out with my wife. We didn't seek the Lord. Every time I have fallen on my face, it's because I did not trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not into my own understanding. It, it, it's, it's just that way. 
Now, I hate to tell you, but, but it's, a, it's a truth. I was raised in a Christian home. My wife and I, both of us, were raised in a Christian home. And one of the things that happened when we got married, we, for our first two years of marriage, we've been married for 38 years, but our first two years of marriage was hell on earth. Carol and I, we could come to church with a smile on our face, and I'd be playing bass, and I'd be lifting my hands, but as soon as we got out in the car, we were, and we were tearing each other down. We were pulling each other apart, and the problem is, is we were married, but yet we were really not married. Do you know it's possible to be legally married, but not really merged Marriage means you merge. Everyone say merge. So you can be married on paper. You could go to the you could go to a pastor. You can go to a justice of the peace. You can have a wedding day. Do you know a wedding day doesn't mean you're married? A wedding day doesn't mean you're married. What it does is it simply means you're legally married before the courts and you've made a covenant before God. But that doesn't make you married. What makes you married is when you two have walked together and you've learned to merge. It's marriage is a process that takes time. Everyone say time. Now some of you may go, well, Pastor Ray said we're not married. I guess we can leave each other. No, no, no. no. Don't take it that far. No, you're legal. You're in a binding covenant before God. But what I'm trying to tell you is your wedding day doesn't mean you're married. What it does is it gives you the right under God's blessing to come together as a couple under His favor to begin the process of getting and becoming a married couple. And here's the reason why. is because both of you are diametrically different. Both of you are completely, maybe even opposed on some things. Marriage doesn't mean you know everything about each other. How many of you have come to discover that there was a lot of surprises after you got married? Anybody ever? How many of you discovered, wow, I, I didn't know he or she was that one? Well, God knew that. God knew exactly what you were getting into. And some of us don't understand God's purpose for differences. There's a purpose for being different. There's a purpose for why you are. Some, I, I hear many people, uh, some of the reasons, it's ironic, if you got in the internet and you look at some of the issues and the reasons why people get married, it's, it, 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 it's laughable. Most people today, I hear this, uh, especially with women, oh, I got married to the guy because he just makes me laugh and he's so funny. Well, guess what? He's not going to be funny very long. <laughs> yeah, but he makes me laugh and he's so funny. I got married to her because she was so hot. Well, guess what? Curlers are coming in her hair in the morning. The makeup is going to be off her face. Uh, I'm, I'm getting married because I don't want to be alone. I don't wanna, I'm, I don't, I'm afraid of becoming an old maid and I'm lonely. Wrong reason for getting married. How many of you know you can be married? You can be lonely and still be married. There are more lonely people today that are married. It, marriage doesn't not make you intimate. Intimacy has nothing to do with sex. A lot of people, sex is really the outgrowth of the product of true intimacy. And intimacy is what truly intimacy is, is when you allow yourself in the relationship 
to become so vulnerable that you let them see inside of you. Intimacy is the willingness to be vulnerable with someone I'm married with and allow myself to even be so exposed to the one that I'm in a covenant with that I'm willing to allow them to speak into my life. That's what intimacy is. It's possible. I've heard people, I'm sure you have too, I heard one guy said, man, I got married because we both like riding bikes together. We just love riding our 18 speeds. We just love, we love the same food. We love to ride bikes. We're really into nutrition, and we love exercise. God help you if that's the reason why you got married. Because those are shallow issues. One thing I want to do today is I want to examine the foundation. How many of you know it's good to ask questions? Amen? Rather than, do you like Subway sandwiches? Uh, do, you, do, you like, uh, do you like the Beatles? How, how many of you believe that our conversation should go deeper than that? Or uh, maybe you married some woman that's got hot lips. You know, how, marriage needs to be more than hot lips. It needs to go deeper than just the physical. Let, let me just say something, a little sideline about sex. And I, again, that's a whole message, uh, several series. But you, you need to really take a good hold of the Song of Solomon when it comes to about sex. Song of Solomon talks about sex. And sex, the Bible refers to it as a very intoxicating uh, form of the relationship. In fact, when sex happens, this is one of the reasons, one of the most practical reasons why God helps us to avoid this sexual relationship because when sex happens between two people, you become bound. There, it's, it's the super glue in a relationship. You become tied together in your soul. But your mind in what God intended in the sexual relationship, especially in a marriage, the mind loses its ability to be cognizant and to process information because it's like you get drunk. That's why it's so powerful. It affects the soul. It affects the mind. It bonds you. This is why you have a lot of high school, college kids to get together today. They have sex. Sex has become recreational sex. Sex has become something today. Well, I'll sleep with you, sleep with them, sleep with them and everybody else. And what happens is they have these love-hate I hate you, and the reason is is because you've been bound, bonded together with a sexual relationship, but there was no spiritual, there was no soulish connection. God's Word is so clear. It has nothing to do with just putting some condemnation because you broke God's law about marriage. It's much bigger than that. God wants to keep you from pain like that. Amen? How many of you follow what I'm saying? Sex needs to be preserved after the covenant for the reason that it begins to intoxicate, it begins to blend you together, but you want to make sure you're blended with the right one. It has nothing to do with condemnation and judgment and legalism. It's so much bigger than that. God's Word is so powerful. Let's look at Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Notice what Jesus here, one of His parables, you all know the parable. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Now keep in mind at this time, Jesus had lots of followers. They followed him for his miracles. He was, he, he, they saw him as a political and a uh, 
military leader in the land that would deliver them from the Romans, and they saw Jesus, and the Bible says that in one place that they even tried to force, they tried to force him and tried to make him to become king, but he, he escaped from their sight. But here we find Jesus turning to his disciples and to the, the 70 and many of them that were following him, and he says, why, why do you offer me lip service, but you don't do what I ask you to do? He's not trying to condemn. He's not trying to put a guilt trip. But he says, what, 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 why do you call me, Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? Whoever comes to me, hears my sayings, and does what I tell them, I'm going to show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep. Everyone say, dug deep. And laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose and the streams beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it because it was founded upon the rock. But he who heard and did nothing, everyone say do nothing. There's some relationships today that do nothing. They're going through a problem. What are you doing? Nothing. Are you talking? Nothing. Have you prayed? Nothing. Are you in the house? Of... Nothing. Well, we go to movies. We have our fun. What are you doing to build? How many of you know no marriage takes place unless you build it? You have to have building in mind if your relationship is going to work. Here's the point. Nothing that has any lasting value, any joy, nothing that is going to last and stand the test of storms that will beat against every relationship will ever work until you understand and embrace work. I've got to work at this. Everyone say work. Jesus said it. By the way, you know in the church, a lot of people just say this. I'm just praying that God will do something miraculous in my marriage. Oh Lord, just bring us and unite us together miraculously. Do you know that that's actually not even a biblical prayer? God never has promised that He's going to come down and just miraculously put you together. No, He actually is telling us we have to dig deep. Everyone say deep. By the way, it's not, enough, it's not good enough to dig. You've got to dig deep. In other words, if you've been a single, a self-serving individual, you're living for self, thinking of self, the world's been all about you, and you find someone, most people do this in our society today, I found a person, oh, they make me happy. Why do you like it? Oh, they make me happy. It's all about my happiness. They make me feel so good. I'm so happy. That's not building a relationship. What you're doing is you're placing expectations on someone else to produce the joy because you haven't learned to find joy by yourself. If you can't become whole, and if you're not whole as a single person, you're never going to find it in another person because they will never be able to fulfill and meet the needs that only God could do. 
remember one time, true story, I was so angry at my wife, Carol. We were in our first, second marriage because I realized that after marrying Carol, she was actually different than me. I, she bought things. She made decisions about purchases. She, she didn't like what I liked. And so I begin to pull the old Bible out and say, you are to, supposed to submit to me, Carol. Guess what? It didn't work. And uh, plus, I had the wrong attitude. I'm very immature as a young man, 22 years of age. Using the, by the way, don't use the Bible in a battle, especially when your spirit and heart's not right. And, and, and I'm sitting there using the Bible, and I remember so mad at my wife, Carol at the time, I didn't go to bed with that night. I stayed in the living room. Very foolish. At 4 o'clock in the morning, I actually have an encounter with God. God speaks to me, and he says this. You know, Ray, you know why you're not happy? Yeah, I know I'm not happy. It's her fault. It's all her. He says, no, you're not happy because you're the problem. I said, no, no, no. Time out, God. No, that can't be me. He says, you're trying to place expectations on her to make you happy and fulfilled that she was never meant to meet. And when I begin to hear that again, I was placing expectations on Carol that only God could meet. See, only God can meet the spiritual, deep inner cry and need of the heart. Now, I understand that there are needs that each spouse is to surrender and give, and we're to love one another and serve one another. But my problem was, I had this thing in my head that marriage is 50-50. Boy, if you want to divorce real quick, just live like that. It's not 50-50. It'll never be 50-50. Marriage is about totally being surrendered to the Lord and you let God. You let God, you let the Holy Spirit work with the issues in their life. But boy, did I, the Lord had to do a huge major roto-rooter in my life and get my mind turned around. I had no idea how selfish I was. I had no idea how selfish. See, marriage brings the best and the worst out of you. And what most people do is when they begin to see things, they take the shortcut. Divorce! Let's run! Let's leave! Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Guess what? You're going to get married again, and guess what? You just take your problem right with you into the next marriage. It's, it's the worst thing you can do. Especially when you have this idea, well, it's their fault. It's them. It's them. It's them. No, we've got to get back to the basics on learning how to build on the rock. Now, the first thing that we find in this text, in the parable, Jesus gives us two promises. First of all, he says, storms are coming. And number two, how you build will determine how your house stands, how your relationship stands. Now, he said this, that the wise man dug deep. Everyone say dig deep again. I, I want you to understand. Digging deep means that he was willing to go down. That means that I, my direction. I need to be willing to humble myself. I need to be willing to dig and work. You know, anytime you do any digging, you're going to run into roots, you're going to run into rocks, you're going to run into certain things. But his vision and his uh, purpose was to find the rock. Every marriage needs to find the rock together. 
You might have the rock in your life, but she might not see the rock like you see the rock. The most important thing in Luke 6, Jesus said that the wise man's concern was to lay the foundation on the rock. He understood that it's relationship. If my house is going to be built on the rock, I have to be concerned about my relationship with Jesus. I I, want to ask you a very simple question. How is your relationship as a couple before the Lord? How's your relationship as a couple before the Lord? Now, I used to think, well, I have my relationship, and Carol has her relationship. No, that's not good enough. The two shall become one. Everyone say one. The two will never become one until both of you learn to seek the Lord together. Everyone say together. Well, pastor, I don't pray the way my wife prays and I don't read the Bible the way she prays. In fact, that she kind of bores me and I don't like... Okay. That's part of merging. That's part of growing together. I remember there were times, because I was prophetic in nature, I ended up correcting Carol. We'd have our little Bible studies and I would preach to her and send her a few jabs while I was having my little family devotion with Carol, jabbing her. And the Lord said, Ray chill out stop have you ever prayed a prayer only to father we just thank you for your goodness now lord change her oh jesus would would you just open some blind eyes over here god open blind eyes that they may say oh god and thank you for giving me eyes to see i hate to tell you but i was selfish self-centered it was horrible And that's why divorce was a common word. I was backslidden. I was weak and didn't know it. Coming to church, I'd come up and shake your hand. Praise God. Good to see you, brother. Well, thank you, Lord Jesus. I hate my wife, but I love you. Good to see you, guys. Praise God. Oh, God is good. I prophesied. Prophesied in the church. Oh, God's going to bless. God wants to do amazing things. And I'd come down to front. I'd prophesy. Then go out in the car on the way home. I can't stand you. Oh, I can't stand you. Well, I can't stand you either. Well, if only a Bible temple knew who you were were really like. Man, I tell you, talk about hypocrites. And, and, and by the way, we were even being groomed for leadership. I remember the, the thing that kind of the icing on the cake for me one time, my wife came home one day, and she, she decided to decorate the kitchen. Ray Galligan's blase. My wife is so full of color, decoration, decor, and she's just, she's that way. She comes home. I didn't know it. She had literally bought a, this, this, these placemats and uh, silverware and cups and cookie jars and place settings and coffee cups. Everything was in strawberry. Strawberry cups, everything. I come in the kitchen, and the entire kitchen was strawberries. And I said, that does it. No man can handle this abuse. I I was so upset. I said, what did you do? Well, we needed some color, and we needed this, and it was just kind of a blase. And I said, that that does it, that does it. I went over to the phone. I said, Pastor Iverson, can I have a meeting with you? Sure. 
So we, we met at this little restaurant called the Candlelight uh, a Restaurant. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, Pastor Iverson is truly, he's a man. He's going to understand what I'm going through. And he's drinking his coffee, and I'm telling him how Carol went out and bought coffee mugs and coffee plates and coffee placemats and coffee pictures and coffee, or I mean strawberry, strawberry, strawberry. And, and he's drinking his coffee, and when he's drinking, he does this, he, he spits all over. But he starts laughing. I'm not laughing. And I'm saying, are you okay, Brother Dick? He says, Ray, do you, do you know what you need, Ray? I said, no. More strawberries. <laughs> not kidding. You need more. Ray, like your wife, decorate her house. Chill out. This is what he told me. Yeah, but she didn't talk to me first. Yeah, yeah, but I understand when you need to buy a car, buy a house, make a major. But this is a kitchen. Ray, chill out. Cool off. And I'm, I, I was offended. You will not, never even believe what I was thinking. I am going to leave this church. <laughs> oh, oh, I was mad. Oh, I was angry at Pastor Iverson. Then he starts saying, he says, Ray, do you even understand the role of a husband? All right, all right, do you think it's about being a dictator and being the big king on top of the hill? Is, is that your mindset? I hate to say it, but that's what I was thinking because I had never been taught. I didn't understand that the role of a leader was not about being right and having the final say, and being the big man on top, until I begin to understand that the role of a true leader is one who models submission in his leadership by learning to be an example. I'm sitting there preaching submission, but I myself wasn't submitted. And so my leadership was ineffective. If you want to lead... You model what it is to wash feet. You model what it is to empower. I wasn't empowering Carol. I was tearing her down. Because I had to be in control. I'm, I'm the man around here. I'm in charge. And you better respect me. Boy, let me tell you, anytime people like that and they act that big, it shows you how small they are on the inside. Anytime someone has to use force to control something, it shows you how tiny they really are. Because big people don't have to flex their muscle and boss people around. Jesus didn't do that with his disciples. He empowered them with love, and he empowered them with honor, and he empowered them. And you know what? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is prison and there is bondage. No, where the Spirit of the Lord, there is what? freedom, liberty. I remember it took me several months to come home and I said, you know, Carol, I've made a decision. I need your patience. I need your help. I, I didn't realize how controlling and how overbearing I am, but I'm really seeing how God is showing me this need to be in control is so wrong. And I pray for your patience as God teaches me to first learn to lead by example because I didn't know that and so God began to teach me how 
to lead by example. Learn how to, when we're different, instead of criticizing and putting each other down, building and digging deep means this, is that I'm not digging and trying to be critical against my spouse, but rather I'm digging deep in the Word. I'm digging deep. I'm digging to look for Jesus. I'm digging in prayer. I'm digging deep to find how I can best bring the best out in my wife. Because that's what real love does. How many of you know love brings the best out? It doesn't go around. It doesn't flaunt itself. It doesn't have to go around and say, I know more Bible than you do. I know I've been a Christian longer than you have. God help you. God help us when we have to flaunt ourselves that way. Amen? Now my time is gone. Praise God. But I wanted to get in the next week. How many of you are following anything here? Anybody getting anything? Because uh, what, what, what I'm here to tell you is the best way to get free, the best way to be empowered is really when you come to that place of total surrender. There's nine things, I'm not going to get to it today, but there's nine important questions that every relationship, whether you're married or not, it applies. Nine important questions every believer needs to ask themselves in order to get your relationship on track. Next week, you'll have to come and hear. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? Our time is gone. By the, by the way, I wanted to put a plug in about life groups too. Tonight, we are going to be, well, I've already sent the discussion sheet out to our life group leaders, but we are going to be discussing what we have been taught the past three weeks, four weeks. And I, I really pray, again, this is not just about marriage. It's about relationships in general as well. really pray you'll come out and allow the Holy Spirit to... Uh, just begin to open our hearts up. How, how many of you want the Holy Spirit and the refreshing presence of God to abide in your home, in your life? Well, the, the way that happens is when we all learn to say, Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way in me. The harder you hold on, when you begin to hold on to control and you hold on to your pride, it's the fastest way to sink your ship. But when you release pride and you say, Father, I'm open for you to change. Help me change. Help me grow. Help me to see, Lord, that you have a good plan in my relationship. You know what? I, I, instead of looking at your spouse as your enemy, start looking at them as an opportunity for God to bless you. It makes, it takes a choice. Everyone say a choice. You have a choice in life. When someone says, I just can't do it. I have no choice. No, you have a choice. You have a choice for blessing or for cursing. Life and death. You have the choice. When someone says, I don't have a choice, what that means, no, you've already made up your mind. That's what you've done. You've said, God, not even you can help me. How many of you know God's willing to help anybody who's willing to trust Him? I want to tell you, 
When Jesus said this to Mary and to Martha, He said, He that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He was talking to people who felt they had no hope. doesn't matter where you're at, in your job, your home, in the situation. We need to see a turnaround. You know, our nation right now, we've come through a real political nightmare in the war. Uh, if you've seen anything on television, our nation needs healing in a big way. The healing of our nation is not going to come from political powers, economic issues, international issues. It's going to come when God's people begin to display honor, we display grace, we begin to display what it is to love even our enemies. We need to learn how to love and serve one another rather than fighting for our rights. We need to learn to serve each other. Amen? Starts in the home. Parents, your kids are watching you. You're teaching them right now what it is to forgive and believe and trust God and see God for great things by your willingness to humble yourself. If you can't humble yourself, then you're teaching them arrogance. You're teaching them pride. You're teaching them to defend yourself. It's the worst thing you can do. What you want to do is you want to become a living sacrifice in His hands. Let's take each other by the hand, shall we? I'm going to pray and we'll dismiss. Father, we thank You that You've given us the Holy Spirit, You've given us the Word of God, and You've given us the ability to walk in a complete transformation. We don't have to go back to the way we were. Lord, every problem is given as an opportunity to bring about change, to see Your glory come. You do not come to shame us or condemn us. You don't use our problems against us as Satan does to condemn us. But Lord, our problems become launching points into greater understanding and wisdom. We grow in wisdom. We grow in Your glory because of Your mercy. Lord, all of us have needed help. All of us need change. All of us need, and we're growing. We're merging in our marriages. We're growing to know and love. Instead of seeing differences as things to avoid, differences as threats. Help us to see differences as ways to grow in grace. We need you today, Lord. We need you to help us, strengthen us. I pray for every marriage. I pray for young people. I pray, Lord, that you'd grant us wisdom as we live in these troublesome times in our nation. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders. We pray for all men. Help us to become peacemakers in very troublesome times. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. God bless you and have an amazing Sunday. We'll see you at Life Groups tonight. God blessing.